Hey everybody, this is Nubia. And I'm Francis. We are your dynamic duo of Chronicles Abroad. As always, our goal is to inspire you to travel with passion and purpose. Now let's get on with the show. Welcome to Chronicles Abroad, I'm Francis. And I'm Nubia. So today we have a little spin on things. So typically we talk to a lot of Americans who end up leaving America to go abroad. This time we're speaking to a UK native who got the travel bug from her mom and migrated to Australia. So we are talking with Miss Bridie. Bridie basically left in her early 20s and here we are almost 20 years later, and she has done a multitude of jobs, I would say, or, or been in different fields, which is amazing because these are the opportunities that were presented to her along her travels. So we're gonna meet with Bridie today, who is the owner of Vegan, World, vegan Travel. World Travel, which is a vegan tour company. That's pretty cool, Bridie. Which is a really cool niche. So Bridie, welcome. Thank you so much for having me here today. No problem. So let's start from the beginning. You were in your early 20s. I believe you said you left when you was about 23. Actually, I left when I was 18. I was given the opportunity to actually do my tertiary studies in Australia because my mum is Australian and uh, I had dual citizenship and the whole family, we were looking to do something new and exciting. So uh, we emigrated to Australia and I went to university in Australia and then straight after university, I pretty much started uh, living in different places. Okay, that's actually pretty cool that you can live in Australia and the UK dual citizenship. That's a whole different subject. I think a lot of times people try to figure out how to get dual citizenship, you know, um, but you said your mom is Australian, so that makes sense. And so you went to university in Australia. Throughout our travels in Asia, a lot of times there's a lot of Australians from university because, you know, Asia is so close. So a lot of times Australian children leave university and go travel. So that's not uncommon. But the uncommon part is you haven't been back in 20 years. <laughs> no. You just left. <laughs> no, I haven't. And maybe people will think that I don't think Australia is, is a nice place at all. No, that's not true. Australia is a beautiful place and my family's there. And I go back on a fairly regular basis to visit. But I have to say that I do like the sort of nomadic um, lifestyle and living in lots of different places. And as lovely as Australia is, it does feel quite isolated, you know, it's, it's, it takes uh, a long time to get anywhere from, from wherever you are in Australia, actually. So that's one of the reasons why I've chosen to live outside of Australia. So what is it about the nomadic feel that kind of nourishes your soul? Like, what do you get out of that? Yeah, well, I just really enjoy 
being able to like get to know other cultures and get to meet new friends. I mean, my mind has just been very much broadened throughout my experience of, of living overseas. And it's just so much fun. It's really nice to just not be in the same place, um, you know, for many, many years at a time. It just keeps things nice and fresh. And uh, it just it just makes life a little bit more exciting for me. <laughs> yeah, it is exciting. I'm, you know, three years in now, and I'm starting to feel like sometimes it's a little exhausting, actually, the moving around, you know, I prefer the slow travel. But even during the slow travel, I'm like, I need to go see this. And I need to go do that. So let's talk about the multitude of things that you have done throughout your 20 years of travel. So when you left university, where did you end up going? Okay, so I'll just count the, the, the bigger things, I guess. Well, the first exciting thing that I did was I got a position in a French school as an English conversation teacher. I was lucky enough to be accepted by the French embassy in Australia. They offer, and actually many, many nationalities can do this too. Uh, you can apply to become an English conversation teacher. And when you, if you are successful, they place you in a school somewhere around France or in its territories. And then you spend like 10, 12 months working in a you know, whether it's a primary school or a high school. And I actually was by then a, a qualified teacher, but actually you didn't need to be a qualified teacher to do this job. But that was really exciting for me because I was a qualified French teacher, but I hadn't had the opportunity to practice much of my French. So this was really a great opportunity for me to immerse myself in France and French. And then after that, I can I grab you before you move on from that? Because you said that a lot of other nationalities can do this, where apply with the embassy. Now, do you think that it was a little bit easier because you were, grew up in the UK, so you already were able to live in Europe? Because one of the issues that Americans have is that we only get 90 days. So you definitely have to be sponsored and all of that stuff in order to stay in Europe. So do you think that could create a problem for, you know, the nationalities that aren't from Europe? I'm just curious. That's a really good question. I would be hesitant to answer that comprehensively, like because it's been 20 years. Who knows? The rules have been changed since then, perhaps. But I do happen to know that there were many assistants, like most schools and colleges and primary schools had someone like me as the conversation teacher and one of my friends there she was the same age as me and she was actually American from Chicago so and I was applying as an Australian I wasn't applying as a British citizen so of course you know it certainly didn't have to be from the EU in order to apply to do this job at that time I don't know whether things have changed maybe I could do a little bit of research for you and find out if this program is still going and maybe you can put it in the show notes or something <laughs> but yeah that was really great because I'm I'm sure people, you know, are looking for those kind of opportunities, you know, that would allow them to stay in a country longer and conversational English is actually pretty cool. It's better than the standardized teaching. Yeah. Yeah, it was a fantastic experience. I learned so much French. I got all of the school holidays off. I got to travel extensively. I had uh, made lots and lots of French friends and uh, the workload was not a lot. It was maybe, if I'm remembering correctly, something like 14 hours a week teaching time and my accommodation was provided and I got uh, you know, enough money to, to live for a month. Certainly not a lot of money, but it was, it was still definitely worth my while. So that was my first experience. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then after that, I moved um, back to Australia for a little while and I got itchy feet quite quickly. And I was actually working in a boarding school in Sydney, looking after students there. And a colleague of mine, she said to me, well, have you ever considered tour leading? Because there's a job advertised in the paper. This was when jobs were still advertised in the paper. This is like going back to 2000. What okay, now you're dating yourself. <laughs> All of us, because we remember that. Yeah. <laughs> And she suggested that I should maybe try and apply for this job as a tour leader for this company called Intrepid. And Intrepid does um, small group adventures. And I remember thinking at the time, like, seriously, I, I don't think that I would be that good at that. I don't know why you would think that. And she reminded me that because I was, you know, I was like the ambassador of fun at the boarding school, like taking the students out on, on excursions and all of that kind of thing at the weekend, she suggested that I go for it so I did and I was lucky enough to get that position and I spent 18 months leading tours in Southeast Asia uh, then Intrepid opened up tours in France they wanted to really diversify their offerings because at the time there was swine flu and SARS and all of those kinds of things so they wanted to open up their operations in more countries so that it would be less impactful if there was a you know a big problem in a certain region so I uh, yeah, I did a season in France and then Intrepid then opened up Africa and Morocco specifically. And because I was a French speaker, I ended up in Morocco. And that actually was where I met my partner, Seb. <laughs> been together since then. And by that time, I'd been on the road living out of a suitcase for more than five years and I was ready to... <laughs> I was ready to do something a little bit different and do a little bit more slow travel. So let's like, go back uh, to your, your friend who pointed out to you your own skills. You know, we get a lot of times people ask us, well, what can I do abroad? How can I make money? And sometimes you don't even realize what your skill base is until somebody either points it out to you or you go, oh, wow, I have been doing that, you know? Yes. To never <laughs> have experience doing tours, you know, personally, I've had a couple of friends go, why don't you do tours? And I'm just like, I do this all the time with my friends for free. this one. She's visiting Mexico right now and I'm taking her all, you know, as many places as we can while she's visiting. You know, that is that is a tour guide that's teaching people, you know, and going places and stuff. So yeah, that's that's amazing. But you're also open to it. I think a lot of people sometimes they have a, a kind of a, a narrow, without judgment, but like a narrow view of what they can do, what they can't do. But once you open yourself to that, then that's when opportunities present themselves. And once you go with the flow and you start taking action, it's just from one thing to the next, to the next, and next thing you know, you've, you've accumulated all these experiences. Yeah. And also it ties into what you're doing now with uh, World Vegan Travel. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So before we get into that, let's t talk about a little bit of like, when did you become a vegan and how did that transformation change your life? Because you said it was a significant change for you. You know, we're more than just travel. We provide tips, resources, and hacks for the curious traveler in you. So whether you're a lover of travel or just someone who is ready for a change, we have something for everyone. Absolutely. So uh, I became vegan 10 years ago, and that was just about the time that I got into international education. So 10 years ago, and I became vegan through listening to a podcast, just stumbled across a podcast. I was vegetarian at the time, and I stumbled across a podcast that 
called Food for Thought by Colleen Patrick Goudreau. And she introduced these ideas to me. And to say they were profound was is a bit of an understatement. Like the ideas just blew my mind. Like I had absolutely no idea about the dairy industry. I had no idea about the egg industry. And just this idea that, you know, if you can live a life without harming others, then why wouldn't you these kinds of ideas? And, and I think it's safe to say that I, <laughs> I really enjoyed the transition and uh, I just took to the cooking like a duck to water, so to speak. It was, you know, I found the food delicious, tasty. I was lucky enough that I had the facilities around me that I was could learn to cook and, and all of these kinds of things. You know, it, it became a huge passion in my life, like the biggest passion. You know, I was the one that was bringing vegan cakes and cookies into school every single day and trying to, you know, change hearts and minds through vegan food, that kind of thing. And, you know, as time went on, I started, started doing more and more activism and, and trying to help people make the connection with you know the animals that we eat and food as well yeah you know we typically have people who are vegan and travelers and one of the questions is you know how how does that impact you as a vegan traveling to certain countries that you know are heavy carnivores and being in Mexico it's not a place that has a ton of vegetables they have a ton of fruits but not a ton of vegetables and they're heavy meat and corn eaters so how do you work around those kind of challenges when you're traveling to countries that veganism is not really a thing sure well I mean when I go traveling of course I want to taste you know vegan versions of you know the local food that's always a really fun thing to do and and I generally can do that most of the time. There are some instances where, you know, it won't be that great. And, you know, honestly, in the 10 years that I've been vegan and the travels that I've done, I've never actually gone hungry. There's never been an, a, a situation where I've been like, oh, my goodness, I've, I've missed like two meals because there's literally nothing around. You know, it's it's an inconvenience. It can be an inconvenience at times. But then at the certain uh, certain times, it can also be like a, a challenge and I, I want to find something and what what can I find and you know it's like this like this huge excitement when you find this this vegan restaurant or a, a restaurant with vegan options that you had no idea was going to be there so you know I think most of the time travelers uh, and certainly you know travelers generally speaking are in a fairly privileged position because they have you know a, a bit of money to to spend that's probably why they're traveling in the first place you know there's usually something that they can buy and there's some great tools around for example, Happy Cow is a database with all of the vegetarian, vegan, veg-friendly restaurants around the world. Here in France, where I am right now, there's another website called Veggio Resto. There are quite a lot of resources now, and I, I don't know whether the two of you have noticed, but it's certainly becoming more and more popular. So um, today, for example, I went and had lunch. Seb and I, we had a burger at a little burger place that had the Beyond Perg burger, and that was, you know, a lot of fun. <laughs> So generally speaking, it's it's not too, it's not bad. The worst thing that will be happen is, you know, there'll be a couple of dull meals. <laughs> so is your partner also vegan? He is. I was very fortunate that uh, that he became vegan about six months after I did. And it's obviously, I'm so grateful that we're both on this journey together. Let's talk about that. Makes it, <laughs> makes it a little easier, I guess. I was going to say, you know, dating is a huge subject amongst nomads. And 
one of the things when we ask how is dating life, a lot of times we get non-existent, right? Tell us, how did you meet your partner and how did you guys decide to travel together? Like, what was he doing in Morocco at the time that you were in Morocco? And did you guys, you know, have this long-term dating thing before you? I mean, what's, like, how did your that contract work? contract that was put in place, like... <laughs> well, that's actually quite a cute story because, as I mentioned, I had been tour leading for quite a long time by the time I got to Morocco. And Seb was my trainee. (laughs) So he is very widely traveled. Like he has done some amazing travel experiences, including like traveling from Singapore to Turkey overland over a period of 18 months. He's done some pretty amazing things. However, he was my trainee for tour leading. So um, we spent three months, three weeks together. Sorry. He was my trainee on my trip. And he likes to make this joke that uh, that he had to date me so that he would get a good review. <laughs> but um, that is funny. That is so cute. But uh, well, Maybe that was true. I don't know. But anyway, we're still here like a like a long time later, like 14 years later. But uh, it was tough for the first few months because there were only three of us tour leading in the whole of Morocco. So me, Seb and another tour leader, Christopher, who we're still friends with, actually. And we were never in the same place at the same time. And we would generally work four weeks on and one week off. So whenever uh, whenever he was working and I had a week off, I would try to travel somehow to get to a place where he would have a bit of free time. As you can imagine with tour leading, it's pretty much a from the moment you wake up until the moment you go to sleep kind of job. That's one of the reasons why it's super intense and why I was so tired after five years. And and um, but there were you know a couple of days in the itinerary where we would ha- where the person tour leading might have a free day and that the clients could go off and do their own thing. So you know I would go and try and catch up with him at that point and vice versa when it was me. So after about five or six months of doing that, we had a holiday together. We hiked across Switzerland, which was very nice. And by this time. It was like, yeah, it's getting pretty serious. And we decided that we wanted to move to Vietnam together. (laughs) And that's where we spent the next three and a half years of a few months after that holiday in Switzerland. Wow. Wow. You know, it was the holiday that made a break or broke because, (laughs) you know, they always say if you really want to know if you are compatible with somebody, travel with them. So, you know, if that hike didn't go so well, Seb wouldn't be around. So luckily y'all had a really good time, which afforded you guys to move to Vietnam. That's awesome. That's such a like a classic love story for a, a lot of us travelers. When there's a will, there's a how, right? If, if both of you really want to make it happen, which is what you guys did, y'all made it happen, you know? Yeah. Some people might be turned off by the whole quote unquote extra work that goes into, ha- you know, establishing something like that. Um, but you guys were committed, so. Well, relationships yep. are work, right? Right? But they shouldn't be hard work. No, it should just no. be, you know, mm-hmm. compromise. And I think that's where a lot of people go wrong. It's like if it doesn't look this way, then it's not going to work. And I think that's one of the right. hardest parts about being a traveler, because even she and I talked about, you know, how it's been since we've been traveling. And I'm like, before I started traveling, I had no problem dating. Once I started traveling, dating has become slightly non-existent only because we're not in a place long enough, number one. You know, Mm -hmm. and I'm not talking about city to city. I'm talking about continent hopping or, you know, different countries. So it becomes a larger gap. 
for a lot of people. And um, it's an adjustment, but you yeah. know, make do. I make do because this is what <laughs> I chose to do. I don't know about the other yeah. person, but yeah. So, okay, so you guys decided to move to Asia together. And at that time, I would assume that you left Intrepid, both of you? That's right. We continued for a few months just doing the odd trip because it was a huge adjustment, if if I'm entirely honest, going from a place where I was pretty much living alone and I was tour leading and doing, you know, living my life a certain way to living with a person, not necessarily knowing what I was going to do for a job <laughs> and in a new country. So that was definitely uh, a challenge but uh yeah I, I sort of stumbled into international school teaching after that and that was very helpful <laughs> oh so you didn't go straight into world well we can travel no no that was what's going on with me today i don't know okay <laughs> all right so you went back to teaching so it's always you know a great thing to fall back on oh, yeah. teaching. What about Seb? Does he also teach on the side? No, yeah, no. <laughs> I, I, I realize as I'm saying all of this, like, oh, we've 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 done a lot of things. <laughs> but you um, tend to, if actually, you want to stay abroad, literally, you, you yes, find things to do. Like, you do. literally, <laughs> you're like, okay. <laughs> That's know? right. Well, he, he moved to Vietnam and he has a bit of a background in film and TV production. So it took a little bit of time for him to find his feet but now he has as well as well vegan travel he also has a production services company so um, he's able to work remotely with that which is great like we can still do a lot of traveling and he can just you know deal with the business remotely which is fantastic so for example if there is a tv show that wants to come to thailand or vietnam or some other places in the region people would employ the services of seb and his team to find stories to do logistics to create itineraries, all of these things, which of course are fantastic skills to have if you're going to have a tour company. <laughs> no, yes, that's awesome. You know what I mean? Because there are so there's so much opportunity anywhere you go. For instance, in Mexico, we always see Netflix. Netflix is out here all the time doing just different filming, getting different shots. You know, the other day I was in the, um, I forgot where I was, I was walking around somewhere and there was a guy on this stunt motor motorcycle with the camera kind of and I'm just like where is he going to ride that motorcycle with all these people <laughs> you know but it's kind of like just watching it and watching how production puts together and there's so many different people that help put one little scene together it's actually quite fascinating it's hard work yeah, yeah. and there's a lot of um, opportunities from from what I can tell you know for people traveling oh, I don't know any specific sites but I know like you know if you like makeup artists if you can be an extra or if you have some acting skills, you know, signing yourself up with some of these, you know, sort of talent agencies and stuff, it, it, you could possibly pick up a little bit of work for that too. Like Seb, when he, we were living in Vietnam, he ended up doing some work on The Amazing Race when it came to Vietnam. And this was before his production company. This was other stuff. But yeah, he was he worked on The Amazing Race because he, he had skills as a cameraman. Yeah, we had um, Spike Lee came to... Thailand 
and he cast it for a movie that he he did in Vietnam and in Thailand in both places and we cast it for it and we both got extra work for it. Francis ended up leaving um, back to the States before you know production started but yeah so definitely like I said who knew that you know Spike Lee would just show up in Thailand like any people for this movie you know so it does Mm -hmm. happen it really does happen. Especially in countries like you know homogenous countries who are looking for different kinds of look you know so those opportunities do exist if you don't look like you're from Vietnam (laughs) you know what I mean yeah Uh, so if if you're into that it's a a great way to kind of like break in into the international space yes less competitive Mm -hmm. than being in a place like California or Hollywood trying to be amongst the rest like you are you know the big fish in a small pond when you are abroad mm-hmm. pretty much and you are that person that they're looking for so that so how did you guys get into the idea of creating your own tour company and then on top of that a vegan tour company yes <laughs> so as I mentioned earlier I became inspired to go vegan and Seb also through this podcast food for thought the person that hosts this podcast is called Colleen Patrick Goudreau she is quite famous in the vegan very famous in the vegan community actually she's a podcaster and she is a writer and she's very much admired and respected for her thoughts and ways that you can you know can be vegan in a non-vegan world let's say that anyway I became like a super fan of this of this person because her work had just been so amazing for me and just had really just totally changed the way that I saw the world I ended up connecting with her and long story short we became really good friends so her and her husband and Seb and I we did a lot of traveling together we just became really good friends and we did some incredible trips including we went to Rwanda Botswana together we hiked the West Highland Way south of France I mean we we've just been so lucky to find another couple that we can travel with let's say and uh it was actually Seb's idea he because of course he has this uh background in logistics and all of this stuff he said well why don't we see if we can put together a trip for your followers um to thailand we talked about it a lot and finally you know she very graciously agreed that we should give that a try as we actually sold out the trip so we actually had i think it was 22 or 23 people come on that trip so we're trying to sort of create because there are a few vegan group tour companies out there doing amazing things but there's none that's sort of for more sort of luxury vegan travel you know staying at much nicer hotels and very very good customer service service and uh, incredible experiences. Let's let's say that. That trip sold out and we were like, wow, this is pretty good. And then we had another trip to Vietnam about six months after that, because obviously Seb and I have quite a lot of experience with Vietnam. And that one went ahead, which was fantastic. And I sort of, because I was still teaching full-time at an international school at this point and I started sort of planting these ideas with Seb and say you know maybe this is this could happen maybe we could be doing this sort of full-time um so after a lot of crunching of numbers and figuring out whether this would be doable we finally decided to take the plunge so that actually was only about six months ago that I quit full-time teaching and now I'm working on this full-time and obviously we're trying to uh you know improve brand awareness and do marketing and all of these kinds of things and that's a huge challenge for so some, someone from a teaching background. Yeah, that's awesome, Bridie. Yeah. Know, this is a true testament of your side hustle becoming your main hustle. That was great. I mean, for your first ever trip 
to sell out at 22 people is amazing by itself. Yeah. Well, I think it's more testament to Colleen and how much, because no one really knew us, but they trusted her. So, of course, we're so grateful that she was prepared to put her name on this trip. And luckily, the people that went on that trip really, really liked our standard of style of travel, I should say. And we've had lots and lots of repeat customers. In fact, we've got people that are booking their fourth, their third or fourth trip with us, which is really cool. And we've done some really fun things like this year we had two Rwanda trips back to back which is such an incredible destination um it was so amazing and just actually we have our second Paris and Alsace France trip also with Colleen Patrick Goudreau as well and in September we did a trip in France with another influencer and we look at sort of trying to work with other vegan influencers and authors and podcasters um, so that because right now we're still quite not well so well known so it's really great to be collaborating with other people to increase brand awareness and know that we exist <laughs> collaboration is is key you know <laughs> what i'm saying especially when somebody else can come in and fill in the gap of what you don't have and taking that leap of faith and coming together really exposes people to different experiences and, and opportunities so we're all about collaboration and working together with other people so that we can, you know, reach as far as we can to, to support other people. And it's such a unique niche that you're doing with the vegan, but the luxury vegan uh, travels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. And, you, you know, the great thing about your relationship with Christine is that you guys, you were able to change your life or Christine was able to inspire you to make changes in your life. And then you created a good bond with her, right? A friendship which then in turn to a business relationship. And it's just, it's another testament of how things move organically. And to have her co-sign that trip, like you said, propelled your business. And people sometimes forget that it doesn't cost sometimes money to just support someone else. Like you've supported Christine a couple of times during your interview, which, you know, plug, plug, plug. I'm just like, you know, we'll make sure that podcast gets in the in, in the notes, the show notes. But it just goes to show you that didn't cost you anything. That didn't take time from you. That's support because it's something that you truly believe in. So thank you for well, sharing that. We believe the world is abundant and full. So it's like the more you give, the more you receive. Mm-hmm. I agree. Sure. <laughs> That's been my experience anyway. <laughs> so how has it how has it been? Six months, no more teaching. Woo-woo. I mean, you know, I'm a teacher Woo-woo. online and believe me, I'm like, this got to stop sooner than later. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> it, it works while it works, but honey, I need something else going on. Yes. Well, I mean, I have to say I do miss some aspects of it. I had such incredible colleagues and, you know, maybe another time we can talk more about international school teaching or I can write a blog post or something. But my colleagues at my last school were just so incredible and I I miss seeing them every single day. But I have to say I do not miss two things that I don't miss. One, I don't miss bells. (laughs) I don't miss... Like I can be in the middle of something really important. I just have to drop everything and just go because a bell's just gone. And I really enjoy being able to work on one thing at a time and not just having my attention just being pulled a hundred different ways. My attention is pulled a hundred different ways when I'm tour leading on tours, obviously, but that's just for a few days, not every day. (laughs) Well, I don't have that background. I teach online. So it's literally like in my space 
wear a mat. Frances can attest to what you're saying because um, she worked in a physical school in Thailand. And it, it was funny to see her head off to school and come back dragging her feet like, oh my God, today was long. You know what I mean? And I'm still sitting in my robe like, oh, I got to teach in five minutes. <laughs> you know? It's such a different contrast, you know, being in the classroom. So yeah, I mean, it was a good experience though. I still had fun and I didn't really, like you said, I didn't teach a lot. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. <laughs> I was there, but I didn't teach a lot. Um, so it's very relaxed, laid back kind of environment. Mm-hmm. Um, so I complain, but not really, you know, <laughs> we always complain about something that is not, it's not necessarily a passion, but it's something that, you know, it gives you purpose. You know, so teaching was never my passion. It wasn't something that I fell into. I just fell into education because it was an easier way to stay abroad. I mean, that's just my honest truth. You know, Um, like I said, it's a great way for people. A lot of people always ask, like, do I have to teach if I move abroad? And I'm like, no, you don't have to. But it's one of the quickest and easiest ways to stay abroad and to make money abroad, you know? Yeah. So, Brian, let me ask you, what what's um, exciting for you about the next step for World Vegan Travel? Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. We thank you for your support. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Now back to the show. Okay, well, we get super excited about the destinations that we go to. So what do we have coming up next year? We've got we've got some really fun France trips coming up. In fact, we've just been putting some finishing touches, let's say, on a trip to the Dordogne, which is in the southwest of France. I don't know whether you're familiar with it, but it's honestly not a very vegan friendly part of the world. Like when we come here on holiday, it's like a cheese's pizza and French fries. That's pretty much it. <laughs> If you're if you're eating out, well, Indian, sometimes there'll be an Indian restaurant around. But with this may be our biggest challenge is creating a an eight eight day luxury, delicious vegan holiday for our travelers. I think we've got about 20 people all together coming. So that's going to be a challenge. And I actually really like those challenges because the hotels are generally really receptive to learning new things like this. I, I think we have this idea that, you know, French chefs, they're so close minded. They don't, they only want to do French food and that's it. But that's not been butter, our experience butter at all. More butter, like Julius Chow said, butter makes everything better. It does. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's like what well, we think of French is food, so right? Good. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what runs in my head when I think French butter. Exactly. You would be right. Um, and in the Dordogne, it's goose fat. That's what they use. <laughs> okay. So, um, but. But I have to say, we had a meeting with our um, chef at the hotel that we are taking over in the summer. And he is, he's only young, I would say, in his mid to late 20s or something. And he is just, by his attitude, I can tell he's really excited about this challenge. So, of course, that is really exciting. I really feel it's like a form of activism in a way, because, you know, when you go into a hotel and you say, I'm vegan, and, you know, they're not really going to be that motivated to put a lot of effort in. But when you are taking over a whole hotel for six nights, then that's worth them investing that. Oh, yeah. You lit the fire under his butt. <laughs> exactly. And it was quite sweet. Like whenever we reach out to the hotels and we're like, we're thinking we might stay in your hotel and this is what we want. They're like, let me check with the chef. (laughs) 
So yes, the the chefs are seriously open-minded. It, it's great because often the hotels will keep vegan options on the menu after we've finished after. So, you know, that's always a nice feeling as well. So the France trips are going to be fantastic. We're sort of thinking about a South Africa trip to the garden route of South Africa, which would be really, really fun. And um, we've got two trips, that one's fully sold out, but we've got another trip also, Botswana and Cape Town that's happening December next year. So we've got a, yeah, we've got a few trips happening next year that we're pretty excited about. <laughs> that sounds amazing. And like you said, it's, it's mutually fun. beneficial for you and the hotel. And it's cool to look back and say, hey, we, we, we inspired that dish. You know what I'm saying? Um, yes. What are some challenges of kind of like putting this kind of trip together? Mm, challenges, challenges. Um, well, I think what's really good with Seb and I as a team is that we have our own different skills and luckily they complement each other fairly well so for example Seb is an absolute ninja at itineraries and spreadsheets and budgeting and figuring all of those things out because that logistics really is blow plan. my mind like yeah. how do you figure out how much to charge people yeah. when you've got all of these different Elements, factors yeah and you know how many people do you need to get on the trip to make it you know, worth everyone's while to do it. Those kinds of things I would never be able to work out. You know, I can be a bit of a sounding board for some of the itinerary things. And Seb is a passionate vegan, but I'm definitely have got my fingers on the pulse of more vegan things that are going on and sort of know what to look out for, I guess I'd say. And of course, my passion of vegan food, like I said, when I became vegan, I just was crazy about cooking. So I have quite a lot of knowledge of cooking and vegan cooking and where where chefs can buy alternatives to you know cream and that goose fat and all of these kinds of things um so between between us we have pretty much got everything covered although it's you know obviously it's extremely time consuming to put it all together but um yeah it's not too hard take time (laughs) yeah you have the creative and you have the logistics i mean you have to have you know both in order to make something work you know logistics is what is the manpower behind the scenes what the guests don't see, mm-hmm. you know, what the guests don't know, all the work that goes behind it. And the creative, like you said, you, your friend put the nail on the head. You're the fun one. So <laughs> you're the one that comes up with all the creative fun things to do as a mm-hmm. vegan. And, you know, as you're talking, I'm going, when I'm surprised you didn't mention India because 80% of Indians don't eat meat. They're yeah. vegetarian, at least, not vegan, because a lot of dishes do have yogurt in it. But have you thought about doing a vegan India trip? Because that might be a very uh, different... That'd be kind of cool. That'd be kind of cool. And we ate our way through south of uh, <laughs> India. Um, the yes, food the food is amazing in India. But um, I have to say that's fairly down on our list, not because we have an issue with India at all, like Seb especially has lived uh, uh, lived in India for like three or four months or traveled around India for three or four months. Um, but I just, I guess there are destinations that are more interesting to us. So <laughs> we're particularly interested yeah. in Japan. In- we're kind of here cracking up <laughs> we had a rough that. time in india we had a rough time in india the so. food was good but we had a rough time in india yeah, so we're kind of cracking up a little bit okay <laughs> So we both really enjoyed our time in India, but I think there's other places that we're interested in. That's that's one of the requirements that we have. We want to do trips that are actually fun for us to plan, fun for us to go scout, fun for us to immerse ourselves in all things 
to do with that for the whole of the the research and all of those things. So so that's kind of why India is not super up there on the list. But we're interested in Japan. We're interested in Italy and Sicily. We really think France is an interesting destination because I think it can have its challenges. Like France isn't a you know a, a really vegan friendly place outside of Paris and outside of the big cities. So yeah, Spain. That's another one we've talked about as well. Oh, so many. And I want to highlight two things. So first, um, I lived in. Japan. Japan for nine months and at the time I was a vegetarian vegan and it was so difficult <laughs> let me tell you because they make everything on it with a pork broth or I just I had a hard time trying to find even using happy cow and everything else so that would be a nice challenge but the food was very exquisite so that'd be a good challenge for you and the second thing I want to highlight was the fact that you said you only plan trips that are fun for you I think we forget even in just like working life and everything else doing things that are fun for mm-hmm. us and then leading with fun and joy and that's one of my values it's like if I'm not having fun I don't want to do it <laughs> you know what I'm saying and so I want people to really take that message uh, with them because if you're not having fun with whatever you're doing then it's time to really take a second look at that exactly I agree. Exactly. Yeah, no, that's a good point. That's a good point. Because I think a lot of us fall into that trap of, oh, we have to do because we need or whatever. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that you can't find something that you're passionate or that you enjoy doing to make money doing it. Exactly. I agree. You are a testament of that. Oh, my gosh. So you have all these wonderful upcoming vegan trips coming along. So World Vegan Travel is the name of the tour company. It is a luxury vegan. I like the fact, luxury vegan. Lux. It's a Luxon. V-Lux. It's a V-Lux. It's a V-Lux vacation. So um, (laughs) what is next i mean you know we have you have these upcoming trips but is the tour company you know it as an entrepreneur because i know as an entrepreneur my mind runs a 50 miles a minute so you have the production company for sab you have your you know well both of you have the tour company you have the vegan podcast you have your you know so many different hands in so many different things where do you see yourself in five years oh <laughs> Um, okay, this is what I would like. I would like us to be running between eight and 10 trips a year. That would, I think, really put us on track for feeling very sort of uh, confident that this is sustainable and is going to work out for us. I also would like to see myself based. Obviously, we would be traveling a lot in somewhere in Europe. We actually have two kitty cats and they're sort of getting a little bit older now. So we can't really have a really a, a nomadic life so much but we have sort of toyed with the idea of not van life but maybe rv living so maybe when our kitty cats are no longer with us hopefully that won't be for a very long time we would maybe be running a business um for a couple of years at least out of an rv or or just being a lot more nomadic and not feeling sort of so tied down to places i think that's where i would like to see in five years if if but if our cats are still with us then then I want to be with my cats. <laughs> the adventure continues either way. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. We totally appreciate you taking the time out to speak with us. Now, we have a couple of uh, rapid fire questions that we kind of oh. hit our guests with a little bit. And um, just choose one if you can. You want to get started? No, oh, you can start with the first okay. one. Okay. So the first question is, coffee, tea, or smoothie? Tea. That took a bit. <laughs> just like, wait a I like see. them all very much. <laughs> Um, Airbnb, hostel, or hotel? If the Airbnb is very charming, Airbnb. <laughs> this one gets everybody. They're like, well, what kind of hotel is it? Is, or, and where's the Airbnb? Airbnb? Where's the Airbnb? And I'm just... <laughs> so, so Airbnb was your, was your... Okay, breakfast, lunch, or dinner? Mm. Dinner. Mm. A lot of people go for breakfast. Okay. We've had someone say all three, so... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do like them all. I, I do. No, <laughs> I like to eat. <laughs> she hit us off with the breakfast for dinner. Ah, yeah. Uh, yes. That, that was works. a, oh my gosh, I haven't done that in a while. <laughs> all right. And the last one, because you lived in Asia. Oh. <laughs> Western toilet or squatty potty? <laughs> Western. Yeah. <laughs> that always seems to be the, the answer with everyone. However, squatty, squatty toilets are better, are, are better for your health. Oh, yeah, I think they're great. Yeah. But if, if there was a choice between a very clean squatty potty and a very clean Western toilet, it would be Western toilet. I don't toilet. think I've ever really <laughs> seen a really clean squatty potty. I have. Really weird. In Japan, maybe. Um, I'm trying to remember, but I, I it's been clean enough that I was able to well, use no, it. Well, no, no, not clean enough. I'm talking <laughs> very, like, you are, you know what I mean? Like, that's a big difference, clean enough and that's dirty you make clean. a compromise. Exactly. I was going to say, most of the squatty potties I've seen are just like, Okay. I remember went camping in Japan on the beach and they had, um, what you call it? They had showers that you can pay. And then literally I had to put like a yen coin in there and be like, and do a really fast kind of thing. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, they had had the squatty potty and I I had to use it. And I was just like, "Mm." and there's tons of people there. So it was... It was a Ooh. challenge, but um, I did it. Pulled yeah. through. Yeah. We used a lot of them in Thailand, especially when you're traveling through Thailand. But speaking so, of Thailand, wait, before we, uh, before you ask that. So speaking of Thailand, did you know that there is a hotel in Thailand that opened up last year, actually, before we left, that's vegan? There are a few. Which, where is the one that you are talking about? Is it in Chiang Mai? Yes, ma'am. Ah, so there's actually two in Chiang Mai. One of them is like the one that's very white. I think it's called Away. Yes, that's the one we went to. That's vegetarian. And then there's a vegan one called Green Tiger. Oh, Green Tiger is awesome. Delicious. The food food there. Those mushroom burgers are the bomb. Everything. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. (laughs) She might be, you, Bridie might be one of my foodie friends because that's how we feel about food. Yes, that's exactly how we feel about food. Yes. Green Tiger is awesome. Delicious. Yeah. 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 So that was a plug right there. If you're ever in Chiang Mai, check out Green Tiger. Their mushroom burger is like. And their curry is delicious too. Yeah. Then they have a pesto rice too, which is really good. I mean, they have. Oh, everything's everything's good. good. And the hotel <laughs> yeah, is really beautiful. Is. Well, no, not Green Tiger's Hotel. Green, T- Green Tiger's Hotel is more like um, for budget travelers. Mm. But the most part, it's the other one, the vegetarian okay. hotel. That's it's still nice in there though. But yeah. yeah. So, so Bridie, before we let you go, I just want to ask. You know, what is one piece of advice you'd have 
for someone who, you know, a lot of our uh, audience members, they're, they're looking to, uh, you know, find ways to actually do this, but they're kind of scared or hesitant. And you've, and you've opened yourself up and the universe has blessed you in so many ways. So what would you say to that person that's a little bit nervous about all of this? So it's time to dive deep and look into the holistic perspective of travel. We believe traveling is an investment in you. So our mission is to inspire you to book that flight, check that item off your bucket list, and go on that adventure. And our hope is to ignite connections all over the world. Um, oh goodness. I would maybe say prepare for the worst case scenario. Like what is the worst thing that could happen if you do this? Like, you know, obviously really, really terrible things could happen. You could get run over by a bus. But, <laughs> but, uh, but if as long as you if you figure out what your worst case likely scenario is and just plan for that and then you've always got that to to look to save you I guess in case bad thing does happen so that would be my main suggestion and always make sure that you have good travel insurance especially for medical (laughs) because if you have that then you are really you know you're not going to you know go broke because of a car accident or something like that. You know, you've got all of these, um, it mitigates a lot of the risk. Definitely agree. And I want to just follow up with what you said. Think about the worst case scenario. So Tim Ferriss, uh, he's an angel investor. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but anyway, he has a TED talk that's called Fear Setting. And I actually wrote about this recently. And it's like, let's fear set. Let's list let's define all of our fears what is the prevention and what how can we repair that so let's list the worst case scenario and let's logically go through it let's say you know your, your worst case scenario is that you your plane is delayed in a foreign country and you're nervous about it so let's define that how do you bring a book relax you know what i mean or you know have somebody that you can call how do you repair that that specific fear so that you can move past it. So fear setting is a real thing, and I suggest people to do it. I honestly think that worst case scenario is not doing it. Anything else, I mean, you can't control everything in life, okay? So, you know, I think regardless of fear setting or trying to think about the worst case scenario, the worst case scenario is not doing it. Yeah. That's the worst case scenario what's, out there is just not doing yeah, it. Yeah, what's the consequences of inaction? You know, yeah. so. Well, thank you again. This was great. And we look forward to having you on again because we I have so it. many different pieces to the puzzle. Yeah. Like, you are a breath of knowledge and a breath of fresh air, too. You're really fun. So <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah, we wish you all the success with World Vegan Travel. Thank you so much. It was lovely to be on your podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for tuning in to Chronicles Abroad. Please support us by sharing this podcast through your social media platforms. Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Follow us on Instagram and hit that like button at chronicles underscore abroad. Find us online at our website, chroniclesabroad.com for tips, resources, and ways we can collaborate. So don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Until then, beautiful people, thanks for listening. Music by Stephanie James and Almighty K-Rock, produced by Adam Marcus.